everybody, get out here. Look, look, look. It's the transit of Venus. Welcome to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant. You can call him Chip. And today we are talking about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean, episodes 30 through 32. Okay, so so this is a big, important three-parter. Yes. I was both excited to get to this three-parter because you know, uh-huh. it kind of... It kind of, you know, it reveals a mystery. What what's up with weather forecast? And we get answers to other questions. And like, there's a bunch of stuff revealed. And this three part is also just really crazy and wild for one, two specific reasons. But also, hey, um, I guess there's a content warning need for this episode. Yeah, huh? before we start, like this is. <laughs> If any episode of ours has deserved it, I mean, in addition to the constant body horror nightmare mm-hmm. that goes without mentioning every single week, uh, uh, this week we are going to be talking about issues of incest mm-hmm. and racist violence and suicide Yep, in that order, actually. Uh, uh, and it's all in the middle chunk when we talk about episode 31. So as I always say, uh, move forward and make an informed decision in, in uh, yeah. your listening habits today. Yeah. But at the start of episode 30, heavy forecast one. Oh, boy. I've looked at the forecast. I know what's coming. Oh, and yeah, it's no. heavy. It's heavy. <laughs> it's, yeah, to say the least. Ah, uh, but, but we'll catch up to that when we do. First, as promised, it's time to talk about heavy weather. Heavy weather, the reference here, is the the most successful album from the band Weather Report. Mm-hmm. Probably the most successful album, uh, like commercially, uh, uh, of the entire like synth jazz scene they're part of. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's the one I listened to back when they were introduced to talk about Weather Report as a whole because okay. it's the big hit after all. Yeah. So we we start off with a brief recap of the the end of the previous episode's fight. We we've got the disc. Mm-hmm. Weather reports, disc being thrown up out of the cave everybody is in. Introducing us to the Devil's Rainbow. Yes, the Devil's Rainbow. And we see Weather Report fallen over onto his knees, dealing with all of his memories rushing back in. He act, he, he knocks over an injured man like on crutches and mm-hmm. in a cast on a bench. And the hospital staff is there like, hey, please do not harass this man. He's waiting for the bus. Yeah, this bench is for people. Come on. And so Weather Report stands up and lifts a doctor by the neck, choking him out. This is not the Weather Report we've come to know and love, who allegedly speaks very, very quietly, who is there to babysit the murder man on a suey. Yeah. And when he he lifts this doctor up with a smile on his face, he's enjoying this shit all of a sudden, just goes like, Mm -hmm. hey, I don't give a fuck about anything. (laughs) And uh, he has clouds go through this man's nostrils and like eyes and mouth and uh he he does the uh the dragon's dream style trick of making a man hideously bloated with water yeah yeah until he's leaking out of every orifice in his face oh yeah. so anasui's like hey brah what and <laughs> weather seems to not know him and certainly does not care uh, and just sort of walks away. And Anasui says, quote, it's almost like he's a completely different person. And while he says this, Weather Report is doing like a sexy pose for the cover of a magazine. Yeah. And so then the OP plays. This song got stuck in my head yesterday. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Progress Report. There you go. Uh, so, so down in the hole, 
versus has untied his feet and, and fallen from where he was hanging upside down, uh, while Aramis rushes to punch him, but on the way, Kiss's flying fist passes through the devil's rainbow, mm-hmm. and so her arm explodes in what at the time I thought were hailstones, because, yes. you know, weather. Yeah, it, it seems like a whole bunch of hailstones pour out of her arm, and it's gross. <laughs> and it doesn't seem to hurt too much, though. Irma just g- looks at her arm and just... It's quite surprising. Yeah, she's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> and everyone just kind of stops and goes like, what the fuck was that? And so Versus warns her, whatever you do, don't touch the rainbows. Mm-mm. There's nothing good at the end of these. It's all bad. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Don't, don't, don't. Versus just saying, okay, so I threw that disc in there. Who knows what his, his fully unleashed stand is going to do. But hey... You know the ozone layer? I guess that's technically the weather, so he could fuck with that if he feels like it, and then we'd just all be fucked, so we should all yeah, hide. Yeah, Versus describes uh, the means by which Weather Report could exterminate all life on Earth, and that's mm-hmm. something he is willing to risk, to not die in the middle of his first stand fight. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so Poochie is like, making some distance he's already kind of halfway into the shadows mm-hmm. and he just tells everybody hey his stand the way it is now uh even if he if weather report isn't actively doing anything his stand will just unconsciously like start doing stuff on its own uncontrolled it's, violence yes yeah like this is going to be really bad no matter what uh and to be honest the only way to stop these rain, you're like you got, we got to kill weather, or I got to karate chop that disc out of his brain again. <laughs> uh, so th- this sucks for all of us, but especially you guys. I'm gonna stay underground. Goodbye. <laughs> and then he just kind of like skulks off into the shadows. His parting words are, "You know, I wouldn't let Versus get away if I were you." Yes. Versus gets away. <laughs> yep, he he just books it immediately. So Jolene sends a string. Uh, I think it's going after Poochie, but no, she grabs a cop's wrist. She is also surprised by this. This was not the plan. As Versus escapes and he, like, deactivates his stand or whatever, like, the big-ass hole he dug is now a much normal-sized (laughs) hole-ish. And so, yeah, everyone kind of just gets teleported to the front of the hole where the, the, the cops are. Uh, uh, Hermes describes versus, quote, running off like a bitch. Uh, <laughs> so, so this cop that has been stone freed, uh, recognizes the, these two as, oh yeah, those oh, yeah. prison escapees from the mugshots. Mm-hmm. And that's when a rainbow touches his head. And that's when dozens of snails pour out of his head. <laughs> yup. Like that the cop doesn't immediately notice that, hey, I've got snails pouring out of my skull. Instead, he's still just holding up his gun, saying, like, hey, scumbag, freeze, as dozens and dozens and dozens of snails are pouring out. So many snails. (laughs) And eventually, the other cop also gets touched by a rainbow, and you see his arm, like, kind of boil up, and and he's got lumps under his skin, and then the skin rips open, and there's snails pouring out, out of his arm. Touched by a rainbow, for when touched by an angel, is a little too preachy for you. Yeah. Oh, by the way, the three children that were saved from the the dream plane explosion are here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And Jolene just tells the kids, 
just stay right there. Don't touch the rainbows. And all the children are terrified because two policemen have snails pouring out of their bodies. They're having a bad day. It's like, really bad. Please, please get this little girl her time uh, dependent medicine. Please. Please. The snail slime is warping the ceiling above them. There are snails on every surface. Everything is snails. Everywhere is snails. Jolene shouts, unbelievable. What is this phenomenon? When you touch the <laughs> rainbows, snails come out of your body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so... And I have to say, that's uh-huh. not what I predicted. <laughs> yep. It's... When I was watching these episodes with Jess and we got to the end of the previous episode. I was just like, okay, we're taking a break before we rush through the rest of these episodes tonight because we've got nothing else to do. I want you to guess what Weather Report does. No one can guess it. It's impossible to guess. <laughs> it's And it's so fun to know it's snail time and no one knows mm. it's going to be snail time. So the cops have now metamorphosed into giant man-sized snails. <laughs> yep. And the whole time they're, they're morphing into snails, it's just like, ah, what's happening? Ah! I was stay- <laughs> yeah. All the patients in in the halls of the hospital are either now starting to turn into snails or are just covered in snails. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So many snails, so many snails through this whole uh, uh, hospital that the ceiling buckles and gives way, and thousands more snails fall. Uh huh. But this hole in the structure also lets the sun shine in, baby, on a rainbow. The devil's rainbow grazes Jolene's hand, Ah. and her forearm starts to bubble, but it stops. Because it was such a glancing, glazing touch that that her natural snail immunity from being a stand user kicked in and protected her. Yes, it's theorized. If you got to stand, you can you can handle more exposure to snail rainbow than others. Does this come up again? No. Nah. Absolutely not. There's a part where Jolene is theorizing, like, how the fuck is this his stand? Like, one time he lifted up a, whole, a shitload of poisonous frogs from, like, South America or something, but the snails are within us. <laughs> We got snails in us somehow. How does this make any sense? (laughs) Like, again, absolute batshit, just almost random feeling stand abilities. But at least the characters are also like, what the fuck is this bullshit? So Aramis turns to Jolene and basically asks, hey, whose ass are we going to kick? Because there's a it's multiple choice at this point. And Jolene turns and says, hey, Weather Report is not our enemy. He is a friend. Mm hmm. And she's just like, okay, did you hear Poochie, though? Like, he said not to let Versus get away. We should probably kick Versus' ass. See, the plan, the plan is to grab Versus and make him use Underworld to dig up and then seal away Weather's memories and turning him into to friendly amnesiac that we like instead yeah. of whatever is happening here. <laughs> Heavy Weather, yeah. the Devil's Rainbow. <laughs> And so we cut back to Weather Report, who's just slowly walking down a street, and Anasui is just constantly trailing behind him, going, hey, what the fuck, dude? Hey, dude. Hey, what the fuck, dude? Hey. And Weather Report basically just does not acknowledge him. He just keeps mm-hmm, going. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, one, like one across the road, essentially, is Versus just running for his life. And so he digs a, a shallow hole into the earth to find the earth's memory of Jolene and Ermis arriving there. And and so he, uh, like, time delay eavesdrops the two of them talking about how, you know what, 
Emporio's a big boy. He can he can have a big boy mission all of his own. Yes. And so uh, this guy's like, huh, Emporio has the disc. That's an important disc. I need to listen to that disc to figure out how I can become the special boy that achieves heaven. I got to yes. find whoever this Emporio guy is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love I love the, the sort of wider shot at the end that we see, like, the hole he dug is just a couple of handfuls of dirt. Mm-hmm. And so the Jolene and Ermis in the hole are so teeny tiny. They're, yeah, they're, they're the size of like a 10-inch doll, maybe. <laughs> they're so cute. Yeah. Jolene keeps getting small. One way or another, she loves to be small. Yeah. Or the world loves to make her small. She doesn't enjoy any of them, actually. Yeah, every time she's been small, it's been very harrowing, so... <laughs> And so, yeah, Versus just starts sprinting off in a random direction going like, hmm, no idea what this Emporio person looks like, but I got to find him. And knowing what he would find in that disc that he seeks, the information he's looking for, buddy, one of the big steps of attaining heaven is getting yourself a Poochie, and I don't see that for you. Uh, mm, at least in the immediate immediate vicinity Anyone who is potentially a priest is probably a snail now, so it's going to be slim pickings. I mean, the the one bit of Dio that none of his sons seem to uh, uh, inherit is the ability to just, like, win people over with your charisma and your drive. Maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah. that's where Jorno fits into this equation. Oh, shit. Yes. That yes. fits. That fits. Oh, <laughs> it all makes sense. Well done, Araki. Very well thought out. <laughs> Probably an accident, but it works. I like it. It works really well, actually. I'm very. Yeah. Someone give me a gold star. I am, I'm a good boy. <laughs> I did. I did good boy today. Yay! <laughs> so back inside, Jolene and Aramis are playing extreme floor. Floor is lava. Yeah. To try to avoid the snails and the snail men. <laughs> yep. I think I forget who shouts it. I can't remember if it's Jolene or, or Hermes. I think it's Jolene. But she just looks at the floor where it's absolutely covered in snails, and she just says, "It's a giant snail orgy." That's Hermes. That's Hermes. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> and so Hermes continues to describe this snail orgy. Uh, uh, she talks about how snails are hermaphroditic, and any snail can mate with any other snail. Uh, they can also self-fertilize, though she doesn't mention it. Mm-hmm. And Jolene. Jolene is jealous that they can just walk up and screw anybody they want, which I will say is more evidence that she really hasn't jerked it in months. (laughs) It's a really funny moment because she's just like, she, you know, says they could have sex with anything, huh? To be honest, I'm a little jealous, little beat. And she's like, wait, that's fucking gross. God, what am I, (laughs) what am I thinking about? Like in the middle of all this, I'm just thinking, man, it'd be nice to fuck right now. <laughs> really funny. Anasui, now's your shot. She's desperate. She's not thinking straight. <laughs> yep. Uh, so this whole time, the two of them have been clinging to this wall, Spider-Man style, on on a teeny tiny ledge, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, and so the wall they're clinging to starts to fall apart, starts to collapse down onto the hallway, and so. <laughs> Jolene basically calls out a play, and I love this like depiction of how in tune she and Hermes are as a team. I love it. I love it because yep. without having to say what's what, they they have this incredible combo move where Hermes stickers the wall as the two of them scramble over onto the opposite side, which is now the top as it mm. just sort of falls down timber, right? Yeah. And so Stone Free 
takes the duplicate wall and fucking hammer throws it out the window. Yes, yes. <laughs> Which is when Hermes unstickers the, the original that they're standing on so that it follows and they surf upon a bed of snail slime on this <laughs> yes. wall. It kicks ass. It's so good. So this last third, I would actually say the 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 final two thirds of Stone Ocean, you can tell, you know, they had to crank these episodes episodes out pretty fast. And so there are times where the animation just isn't that great or it's, you know, they're being wise with where they actually use their frames. And mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. less important people in the background are fairly frequently kind of off off model and janky looking. But man, when this stuff happens, they always make sure <laughs> it looks good. Yes, yes. Like that stuff always looks great. And even non-action moments, like there is uh, a tiny little moment that we're going to talk about in the next episode mm-hmm. in uh, Flashback Times. Oh, yes. That is so, like, I wonder if we're thinking of the same one. But, I think I know what you're talking about. Uh, uh, so this has brought us to the mid-episode title card. It is Weather Report again, and mm-hmm. he has snails this time. Snails and rainbows. Snails and rainbows. So the narrator... The narrator is here, and he is describing that the <laughs> earliest he's describing the process of of oxygenating the world, the earliest plant life back in deep, deep geological history, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and how sometimes an oxygen molecule has three oxygen atoms. It's an O three, and we call that ozone, and mm. and uh, that ozone uh, tends to collect in a certain layer of the atmosphere. And what would happen? What would happen without an ozone layer? Who knows? Hmm. You can't prove it wouldn't turn people into snail mutants. You don't know. You don't know. <laughs> what would actually happen without an ozone layer is that all the nasty effects of UV radiation. Yep. We, uh, sunburns would happen a lot more regularly. Uh, skin cancer mm-hmm. uh, rates would, would rise dramatically. Crop damage and, and uh, uh, damage to food webs generally radiating out from it but yep. maybe also snails i i guess you know there's just an undiscovered snail radiation in space that we just haven't it's there we just don't know about it yet the snail beams yep so so versus is still tracking down emporio and his only clue to Emporio's identity. He'd be the only person rushing to the hospital in all this confusion to get to Jolene and Hermes. Yeah. Unlike all these people suffering from some sort of unknown malady who <laughs> clearly have no reason to go to a hospital right now. Yeah, yeah. There are shots around this point where everyone who is outside right now is halfway, is either a folia snail or about halfway there. Like, they're still walking around on their legs, but they got, like, a big snail shell on their back. And my favorite thing is that everyone turns into a snail differently. Like, different parts are turning into different snail parts. It's gruesome, but it's very clever and inventive. Uh, I'll say that. Mm -hmm. So Versus has just, like, picked a direction to run away from the hospital from to find wherever Emporio is. And the funniest thing in the world happens. Emporio runs right by him. Yep. They practically touch on the sidewalk, but Versus doesn't look down, so doesn't <laughs> notice that his prediction is entirely correct. Yep, yep. It's just a tiny little boy. Mm-hmm. They should really bond over their love of baseball accoutrement. You know, they have a lot in common, these two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Emporio's making a run for it, but he is still making his top priority delivering the the disc. 
Jatara's mm-hmm, Days mm-hmm. to the Speedwagon Foundation. He's got his orders. He's got his special big boy mission. Yep. He wants to see this magic bird with a clamp on his foot. Yeah. That sounds cool. So Versus stops running, and he just goes, fuck, where is he? Damn it. <laughs> this sucks. My my favorite, like, nameless, nondescript person is right here in this shot, because, like, Jimmy Pesto Jr. is becoming a snail <laughs> next to him? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just kind of like wait, just lifting one arm up, kind of waving at versus like, can you help me not be a snail, please? <laughs> any please, please. Uh, so, so at this point, versus is he did not see what he was trying to see, so he's like, fine, I'm gonna dig another hole. <laughs> yeah, and he immediately punches Emporio in the back of the head. <laughs> yes. Yep. Because what had happened, what had happened in the space of that cut is uh, he dug down to the Earth's memory of Jolene in a different one of the Earth's memory, calling Emporio on the phone Mm -hmm. and getting his cell phone number and calling him and looking around for who in the world would be answering a call right now in the midst of heavy weather, the devil's rainbow. (laughs) Yep. And punched Emporio in the back of the skull. (laughs) Yeah. Until yesterday. Until mm-hmm. yesterday, this was his half brother's cell phone number. You guys should oh my just God, talk. Yeah. Yes, yes. You didn't have to go through all this because of the the like hard cut from him digging up the hole to just punching him back in the head. It almost does feel like he just punched the ground and his fist came out of the air <laughs> somehow and just <laughs> nailed him in the back of the head. Yeah, he starts frisking Emporio, looking for the disc on him, and he can't find it anywhere. Where the heck did this kid put this disc? He can't find the phone, for that matter. He can't find anything. And then yeah. he says, "Ah, oh, shit, fuck me, they're coming this way. <laughs> yeah. Because Jolene and Ermis are indeed coming that way. And seeing this this grown man uh, uh, get under the shirt of this little boy. Mm-hmm. And by the time they get there, Versus and Emporio are gone and are like, okay, I know we we saw this dude over here. Where the fuck did he go? Wait a second. And they barely see Emporio's arms like being dragged into a bush. And that is when they're nearly run over by an out-of-control Porsche. A, a snail man is trying to drive a car. It's hard to do that when you're a snail. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so they leap over the car and they fall ass deep in snails. Yep. Ermis' arms turn all snaily, and she grows a shell backpack. She's probably the most normal snail transformation in the entire episode. Yep. And Jolene goes, oh, shit. Oh, man, you're turning into a snail. Fuck. And then, oops, Jolene is turning into a snail a little bit as well. Her uh, entire back is the bottom of a snail, the pod of the gastropod, if you will. Yep. So she sends out some strings, but her strings are covered in snail slime, and they're too weighted down to fly true. Mm-hmm. So she yells, Emporio, Emporio, wherever you are, you gotta pick up my strings, I gotta help you. And her strings do get picked up by the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Yeah, it's just you. You hear a voice, and it's just like hut, 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 and yeah, the the Miami Dolphins just burst forth from the bushes because Versus has dug up the memory of the Miami Dolphins playing a football <laughs> game. <laughs> I love Versus. I love Versus. Yes. Well, I love Underworld. How about that? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
by now, Jolene has developed shell boobs. Yes, she has shell boobs now. (laughs) And as the Miami Dolphins go running by, her string gets snagged on them, and and she gets dragged along with the football men Mm -hmm, (laughs) just mm -hmm. further down the sidewalk. And Versus laughs and says, don't forget we're in Florida. They love football here. (laughs) (laughs) So so he digs another tiny hole and finds a tiny emporio in order to watch this tiny emporio's sleight of hand and Mm -hmm. to to figure out where the disc he's after is. Yeah. But he turns around. He turns around and he sees that uh, uh, Jolene is not attached to the string. The player who has the string is now uh, climbing a palm tree to get the football that's stuck in it. And Jolene is is nowhere to be seen (laughs) as a tiny little pipe clatters near his foot. And then Jolene slams the pipe into his face. See what has happened. What is happening here? Mm -hmm. Is Jolene is snail enough to be very slimy and have no bones. Yes. (laughs) She can crawl inside a length of, like, inch and a quarter piping. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, yeah, she just roll back down the the sidewalk. Hermes is describing this because she is a snail expert. Yes. Uh, uh, And she she shouts, now she's going to fuck you up. (laughs) Yeah. People keep telling Donatello versus just how much Jolene's going to fuck him up. Yep, it's great. He doesn't need to be told. It's going to happen. By the way, I just want to mention that that football player climbing the, the, the palm tree, he doesn't climb it. He runs straight up it like a fucking Looney Tunes. <laughs> well, I lo- he's very good at this. He, he, oh, it's so funny looking, him just running straight up a palm tree. Yes, as... Stonefree's fist is about to collide with Versus. Jolene is stopped because he has dug mm-hmm. another hole in front of her and digs up the memory of salt from evaporated seawater. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know... And so a, a big cloud of, of salt spray uh, covers the, the snailing Jolene, and so she starts to, to bubble and melt. Mm-hmm. Now, salt does not actually melt gastropods it appears to because uh they begin overproducing slime to protect themselves mm-hmm. from the from dehydration causing yeah. the the sort of visual effect it is the dehydration that kills them not like the action of melting <laughs> yeah however it's still fucking dangerous and, oh, yeah. and like like part of jolene's uh, uh snail face is starting to like dry out and calcify it's fucked up it's mm-hmm. fucked up which is when Versus goes back to searching Emporio, taking his socks off, and now he is starting to snail. <laughs> yeah, he's he's got a little snail shell cinnamon bun on the back of his head. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And his chin stretches out into full, like, fucking Return of Jafar-ass chin, because <laughs> it is the tail of a snail. <laughs> yes. And as he examines Emporio, he begins to piece together how Emporio's stand works and that they really have very, very similar stands, you know, different interpretations of the idea of storing the memory of objects, right? Yeah, yeah. And so he pulls out from Emporio a teeny tiny backpack, a watch, the ghost lighter, a ghost pen, and yes, the memory disc of Jotaro Kujo. Mm-hmm. I like the teeny tiny backpack. Yeah. What's he keeping there? Teeny what, tiny snacks? But yeah, trail mix? I don't know. And so Versus screams like, yes, I've won. And he runs away 
very goofily. And Aramis is like, oh, fuck. And Jolene is like keeping her cool, even though she's like really dehydrated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's like, Emporio, I, I'm sorry I touched you and started to snailify you, but it's all good now because now that Versus has touched you, he's going to snailify. And the instant she says that, Versus starts turning into a snail. It's super gross. He's the grossest snail so far. Yeah. His eyes start turning into like the little antennae or whatever. And and so he just has these gross, wiggly eyes coming out of his eye sockets. He's nasty. He's very nasty. He's very nasty. Uh, But Jolene is less nasty than you might think. See, we've been following the adventures of a dupe Jolene the whole time. She tears a sticker off of herself and uh, the dehydrated Jolene smashes into a perfectly hydrated Jolene, yes. and she's none the worse for the wear. Hooray! Yay! And so they just grab Versus by like the, the scruff of his neck like he's a cat that has done mm-hmm. a very bad thing, keeps getting on the table, and they're just like, okay, uh, you're coming with us, dude. We're, we're taking you. You're hostage. You're hostage now. So she runs her, her strings through the ignition of that abandoned Porsche, and the four of them, <laughs> Jolene, Aramis, Emporio, and Versus, all climb in and take a ride together. Mm-hmm. This is the second instance of a JoJo using their stand abilities to hotwire a vehicle. It runs in the family. Like, yeah. what, what do you want me to say? <laughs> <laughs> uh, old man Joseph hotwired that plane or whatever. Oh, no, he did it while the plane was falling, so he they could he could control the electronics. Yeah, and she's controlling the electronics, no, specifically yeah. the the starter motor. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so, yes, we're gonna get in a car and look for weather report and and stop this madness. Except Uh-oh. the one thing you would expect to see in this car, you know, the driver that nearly killed them, isn't there, and all these snail shells in here are empty. Mm. Now. I mentioned the food web earlier, and that is uh, uh, very relevant now in this case because because the rise of the snail population has immediately, within (laughs) minutes, triggered an explosion in the population of snail-eating insects. Mm Mm-hmm. Here to conquer the new ozone-free world. This is the true (laughs) power of the devil's rainbow. Yeah. And so a a creepy bug crawls out of one of the shells that's on the seat. And Ermis goes, oh, fuck. Bugs love to eat snails. And all of yeah, there's hundreds and thousands of snail eating bugs in the car on top of the car. And oh, fuck. She refers to them as uh, snail suckers and describes the exact, you know, method uh, by which they eat the snails. Mm -hmm. And while that is correct... Snail sucker, if you just search that, that seems to uh, refer more toward uh, uh, a group of snakes that mm. eat snails than, than ground beetles, which do eat snails by, like, getting in their shell. And it's it's nasty. Mm-hmm. It's bad. Anyway, Ermis, are you a gardener? Are you an entomologist? <laughs> what are your hobbies? Why are you, like, Little Miss Snail Facts? I'm very interested. I, I need an entire flashback episode just about Ermis's hobbies. I need that for... All of these ladies, honestly. At least it's uh, a bunch of ground beetles and not a huge wave of the French coming. <laughs> uh-huh. God, if you combine that with, like, what's happening right now with, say, Bohemian Rhapsody or something, that could potentially happen. <laughs> <laughs> but... 
So, so weather report, he's walking down the street, he's feeling good, and Anasui is just yelling after him like, dude, w- what? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> weather report just stops. He finally replies to him and he just says, that man, he's approaching as we speak. He's somewhere within a 20 meter radius. Uh, and, you know, talk, talking about Poochie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. weather report says, my only reason for continuing to live is to settle the score I have with Poochie once and for all. To be continued. To be continued. That's the end. Uh, one notable difference to really drive home uh, uh, heavy weather is not the weather report we're familiar with, uh, uh, is a, uh, a sort of scene in the manga that got cut mm-hmm. where he murders a pair of women with electricity for no clear reason. Yes, yes. I know there are some people out there, some JoJo fans that mourned that scene being cut, but like, I don't know. <laughs> he already murdered one person for absolutely, basically no reason. I think we get the point there. Uh, hey, let's learn some reasons in episode 31, Heavy Weather Part 2. This entire, well, near entire episode is a big long flashback. Mm-hmm. Secrets revealed. Yep. And it starts as the narrator tells us, June 5th. 1972 in the Deep South. On this very day, G. Gordon Liddy is complaining that the wiretaps on the DNC aren't getting anything good, mm-hmm. leading to the Watergate, Watergate break-in about two weeks later. Yep. Wayne Brady is three days old. Oh, wow. Carl Urban is negative two days old. <laughs> uh-huh. Coming right around the bend. <laughs> But you know who's exactly born, like mm-hmm. minutes old? This baby. This baby in the Deep South, in a hospital, who dies uh, hours, if not less, after being born on the banks of the mighty Mississippi. Like, the establishing yep. shot has a fucking riverboat in it. Oh, yeah. They don't say exactly where they are in the Deep South, but, like, you can tell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this young mother uh, uh, had so, so much hope for this new baby and the promise that it would hold for, for itself and, and also for her new life that she could not possibly accept that, that her, her newborn child died so soon. Mm-hmm. In a moment of, of grief, she snuck out of her room before anybody else knew and swapped it with a living baby mm-hmm. in like the delivery room next door who was one of a pair of twins. Yes. Nobody knew anything. Nobody even suspected anything. Mm-hmm. And so years later, a young Enrico Pucci, uh, eventually to be Father Pucci, visits the grave of his quote-unquote brother, Dominic. Yes. So in 1987, 15-year-old Pucci is praying, you know, the big questions. Why? Why do bad things have to happen in the world? Mm-hmm. And in order to, like, uh, uh, pursue these questions, he decides to go into the seminary. And the narrator provides a long explanation for why that's normal. <laughs> uh-huh. As opposed to just saying, sometimes Catholic kids want to be priests when they grow up. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we're, we're seeing now an older Poochie, like, on his knees, praying to God, asking him questions of... Why did I live? Why did my brother die? You know, what's what's the difference between me and him that I live? You know, why did fate choose my brother to take, you know, take my brother's life and not mine? Why do things have to suck, God? <laughs> what's true happiness? 
So while he's asking these questions, he is lighting candles in a charnel house in his uh, uh, seminary, which is apparently a massive castle. This is in Europe, I guess? It is implied that his seminary is overseas, right? Yeah, because the narrator talks about how... uh, So Pucci's great-grandmother, I think? His great-grandmother on his father's side was an Italian immigrant. From from a powerful Venetian house, yes. Yes, yeah. And one of his family members became like a famous clergyman in the 18th century. In the manga, it was Pope. Uh, perhaps oh, the most really? famous clergyman. Yes. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just kind of implied he he's overseas in Europe. And then one day in the dark of night. Uh, he sees elf shoes. Pucci trips over elf shoes that are poking out from underneath. I don't know what it's under really like a big I mean, it's all lit by candlelight it could be anything <laughs> yeah like it's fucking shoes of you know like fucking wizard of oz shit <laughs> little <laughs> yeah. elf shoes poking out and so you know he, he trips over that and then of course the owner of these elf shoes is dio who slinks out from around a pillar and he's like oops sorry <laughs> so what what happened here just to put a point on it, Dio bonked into this dude, he drops his books, and then Dio bends down and picks them up for him. This yep. is the most cliche meat cute ever. Yes, yes. <laughs> and and the book that he dropped is uh, Fra Lipo Lippi, which is a real book. Uh, Dio describes it generally accurately. It's a mid-1800s, like, epic-length poem telling mm-hmm. this, the true story, true-ish story. It is a several <laughs> hundred years later uh, sort of historic fiction, after all, mm-hmm. of uh, the, this guy who goes into the priesthood and uh, has an affair, and then he becomes a very famous Renaissance painter. Yeah. In actuality, he became a friar, and while he left his his order to go pursue life as a painter he was never released from his vows he was a friar for the rest of his life Ah, but you know what close enough yeah it is also the name of a new wave band from norway oh hell yeah (laughs) so anyway poochie's like hey this place is closed you can't be here (laughs) yeah it's not allowed get out of here hey and dio just says well the sun sets at like 6 15 today so i can't really go Oh, until then. <laughs> and Poochie says, huh, a sun allergy. That's so ridiculous, no one would ever make it up. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I won't tell the priest about you. And Dio immediately goes, hmm, I like you. I like that you, you'll let me stay here. Uh, <laughs> what, what, if I, what if I was going to rob you? What if I was going to rob all the, the kick-ass paintings in here? What if I'm a bad man? <laughs> and yeah, Poochie's just like, well, I think you you aren't going to do that. So uh, you can stay here. And Dio wearing like his his, his sluttiest crop top he's got, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's saying something. <laughs> and that's a high bar, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bends down and it's like checking Poochie's ankle to see if he's okay. Because when Poochie's walking away from him, he's limping. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, hey... Do you believe in gravity between individuals? (laughs) Oh, this shit again. (laughs) And he's saying this while he's like in his hand holding Poochie's foot. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Uh, And Poochie, also this is a point where Poochie mentions he was born with like a twisted foot that kind of hinders his walking. 
Yeah, he got fucked up toes. He's fine, but he walks a little funny. It's no big deal. Yeah. Diver Down can fix you right up, man. Mm Mm-hmm. But you know what else Dio has in his hands? He has the Part 5 Special Arrow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He takes it out of his hand. It spins around under its own power and then points directly at Poochie. And Dio's like, hey, you should have this. Yeah. And he places it in uh, uh, Poochie's hand and he clasps Poochie's hand around it. And it's the most tender moment. <laughs> oh, my God. The animation there. Right, okay. We were talking about the yeah. same thing. Yes. Yeah, this, yes. This little like close up on their hands closing over one another is incredible. <laughs> yeah. And especially like the shot of him pulling his hand away from Poochie's mm-hmm, has, mm-hmm. has that same like mm, they made it sensual. <laughs> with that animation like so dio's like hey you should have this and if you ever want to find me if you like i'll i'll be waiting you know it's it's cool it's cool we're we're bros you know gravity between individuals don't worry about it and he slinks off into the shadows does a a goofy wide wide stance pose and then does like a little backflip into the shadows (laughs) and he's gone (laughs) and that's when poochie notices his toes have been straightened. He can now walk with a, a standard, unremarkable gait. Whoa. Ah. What the? So it's 1988 now. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Poochie is back home. Uh, he's, he's working in the local parish, I suppose, because he is cleaning the confessional. And accidentally, it keeps happening. It keeps accidentally, happening. Accidentally, here's someone's confession. And this lady is not hearing him when he's like, oh, I'll get a real priest. Uh, You can't do this to me. She just barrels right ahead. And it is, of course, the confession of his brother's kidnapper. Mm -hmm. And he immediately recognizes the story. There there is no dramatic irony here. He gets it. It it strikes him like a a thunderclap that uh, his dead brother does still live and was raised by this woman on the Mm -hmm. other side of town. Yep. You know, like wide-eyed, hearing this story. <laughs> he no, he actually asked the woman, like, "Are you familiar at all with who the family of the other son is?" Like, just straight up <laughs> asks her. It's like the other twins' family lived in like a big mansion the next town over, and and Poochie is the family's last name, and so he's just like, "Oh fuck." <laughs> And she is confessing because she is ill. She does not believe yep. she is long in this world, which is making the the guilt weigh down on her more and more. She can't t- take the secret to the grave, but she cannot tell her son because if he knew the truth, then then he, despite being the, the best man she could have possibly raised, he's such a good boy, he would abandon her and she would be alone and she would be left bereft and ruined without his love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so this is when we cut to... Weather report. Weather Uh, report. Weather report looks very much like the weather report we know, except, except what I have been thinking of as a silly hat he wears. Yes. (laughs) Seems to be his hair. Yes. His goofy hat (laughs) has this whole time been his hair. Insane. (laughs) It's just a little more obvious it's his hair because it's a little bit more like mullety in the back yes and it comes down into several ponytails which is something no hat has ever done not even in jojo's (laughs) yeah but he does not have the little horns sticking out no he's still got his golden cod piece though 
and oh, a, yeah. and oh, a yeah, W of course, of course. and a, a and a belt buckle that's the letter W. Very normal 1988 <laughs> Deep South wear. Ab- absolutely. Yep. Yep. So he has a job delivering juice for the juice man. He's yeah delivering juice at this diner, and also at this this diner is Poochie's sister. We don't know that yet. What we know is there is like a clique of teenage girls mm, mm, right. who are both ogling him because he's a hunky, handsome dude and looking down at him because he's from a family broke enough that he has to get a job delivering juice for the juice man. Right, right. But yes, one of them, the the sort of head girl of the group is, is Poochie's sister. I guess we didn't mention it in the like child Poochie scene at the gravesite. We see that he does have a, a younger sister. Yep. And at this moment, at this moment, I realize, wait a minute, he's a teenager in 1988? Uh-huh. In the present day of the story, he's 37? Yeah. What? He's, he's looking good. <laughs> <laughs> this is the opposite of anime aging. Mm-hmm. If you are 37 in an anime, you are all gray. Mm-hmm. You, you got lines on your face. I mean, I guess he does have lines on his, but like different ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He could pass as a 16-year-old because 16-year-olds can be just as tall and buff as him. He has aged so well. He looks like he's 16. <laughs> We've seen mm-hmm. him 16. We've seen him 37. It's the same. It's the same. Yeah. B.S. At this diner, the... A guy le- walks out of the diner and and snags this girl's purse. And Weather Report takes a can of juice, fucking pitches it like a thousand miles an hour into yes. into one of the windows where it gets stuck halfway through the glass. The guy stops and goes, "Huh?" And then the <laughs> the the can of juice continues its trajectory and smashes him in the face. <laughs> Which is when the narrator comes out to tell us that Weather Report's given name is Wes Bloomarine. Yes. <laughs> Localized to Wes Aquamarine. Yep. Sure. Yep. So Bloomarine is the main label of fashion company Bluefin. Mm. And looking at their website, I have to ask, are the early 2000s back? Mm. Everything in their women's wear collection, like as of this week at least, reminds me of that narrow window, like post Y2K Pre-Operation uh, Iraqi Freedom. <laughs> These are the looks you would see at, like, the MTV VMAs. I, I want to say stuff, fashion from the past can comes back every 20 or so years, whatever. Yes, I a lot of 2000s shit does seem to be coming back. I went clothes shopping just, like, two months ago, and hey, the, the Uniqlo, which is a Japanese clothing brand uh, that has some stores in America that... Uh, generally fit me way better as a small person than basically any other clothing brand suddenly doesn't fit me as well because everything's going back to kind of loose and baggy like streetwear mm-hmm, shit mm-hmm. yeah and then i just start googling like wait is this shit coming back and it's like oh god damn it yes it is <laughs> everyone wants baggy shit again i can't do that i can't do that i'm little anyways but I guess we should also mention his intended birth name, Dominic Pucci, mm-hmm. uh, is, name, is a reference to Domenico Dolce of Dolce & Gabbana fame. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, Pucci has knocked out this purse snatcher and the purse's owner introduces herself. Her name is Perla. She thanks him and promises, uh, like, hey... I'm going to blame the the purse snatcher for breaking the window. You don't have to worry about getting fired. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. And so he turns to Perla and he asks, hey, 
you want to hang? Also. <laughs> and there's this very, there's this incredible, like, I don't know, facial acting. Like, this drawing is so good of Perla, who clearly wants to hang so bad, but also knows she shouldn't because he's a broke boy who delivers juice for the juice man. <laughs> yes. Also, so good. weather report here, you know, he introduces himself, says, hey, my name is Wes. Some people call me Weather. <laughs> Even before he had his stand, people called him Weather. <laughs> what? Uh, so Perla, Perla Pucci here, uh, uh, is named for La Perla, an Italian fashion house best known for lingerie. All right. I didn't see much of that in uh, uh, the early 2000s, so I don't know. Nobody was showing me. Mm-hmm. Her Japanese voice is May in Overwatch, if you set to the Japanese okay. voices at least. Okay, yeah. And currently, Miss Marin in uh, Mobile Suit Gundam The Witch from Mercury, returning oh, in wow. April. All right. Hell yeah. She's nice. so good in that. While the English voice of Perla is the hacker in Lycoris Recoil and Hinata in Gundam Build Divers Rerise. Okay, all right. So it's two weeks later. It's yep. two weeks after... These incredible, simultaneous, momentous occasions. <laughs> and Poochie, prospective father Poochie, uh, just does not know how to carry the burden of this truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I mean, it's his first confession, and boy, was it a juicy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he goes home. He walks home, and he comes up the stairs, and this is where we realize that the blonde girl Perla with the purse is also the blonde girl younger sister that we saw earlier. It's mm-hmm. Perla Pucci. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. It's all so fucked up. Oh, God. She's like, hey, hey, bro, please don't tell mom and dad. My grades are kind of slipping right now. But also, I met the dreamiest dude. He's my soulmate. Uh, we met two weeks ago. <laughs> he delivers juice for the juice, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so the narrator butts in again and says, quote, let's start with the conclusion. Uh, he's been listening to a lot of true crime lately. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> and so he asks us to decide who here has committed a sin. Mm. And even he himself admits, Poochie has no reason to, bl- to make the connection between <laughs> who's who here. So he's in the clear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but... He is, of course, a big brother who's curious about his sister's life. So he happens to see from a distance the guy who Perla is so sweet on. And wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh oh. Uh oh. And the narrator does something very curious to me. He's like, ah, Poochie sees that Perla is dating his brother. You asshole, she's dating her brother. Her brother. It's her brother. <laughs> it's her brother. <laughs> Don't erase her from this. Mm-hmm. So he resolves. So so Poochie, seminarian Poochie resolves to do whatever it takes to protect Perla. He's got a plan. He's got a plan that involves slapping a lot of cash down on the table of a good old boy to make oh, some boy. teenagers break up. These are the only thugs with office hours. Yep. This, this is a very seedy looking office of this incredibly seedy looking private investigator mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who like handlebar mustache isn't right that's when it sticks out from the face but like what's hulk hogan mustache he's got, he's got the hulk hogan mustache yep yeah yep greasy hair this man looks like he smells rather poorly oh yeah this dude's like yeah 
I, professional thug for hire, will make these two lovebirds break up. That's a thing I do. Mm-hmm. And you, the narrator you... tells us the true dramatic uh, uh, irony, the, the great downfall of, of every Greek tragedy, that Pucci was so holy and so noble, he did not understand racism exists. <laughs> yeah. That's this... what this what you're going with? Mm-hmm. Pucci? The, the black man growing up in the Deep South? Pucci never noticed that society treats his mom and his dad differently? Hmm. Hmm. The man, the man you just hired, called you boy when you walked in. You didn't know (laughs) that racism exists? Also, even aside from that, he slaps his wad of cash on this guy's desk, and he goes, hey, I recognize you. Aren't you that boy from that rich family who works at the seminary? And it's just like, maybe hire someone who doesn't know who you are. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. This guy recognizes you and knows enough details about you to ruin you. And he, he... Spoilers. So, so, I think we need to describe, like, the racial dynamics at play here. Mm -hmm. So, the the Poochie children, the three of them who society believes there are two of, are children of a black father and a white mother. Yep. And Poochie is very dark-skinned. His sister is not she's a fucking blonde girl she if she just goes out in the world with her mom Mm -hmm. would benefit from all of the the privileges and assumptions of whiteness in america while uh weather is i would say a light-skinned black man he could pass you know he is passing but not nearly uh uh, as obviously black as his brother Mm -hmm. the Never shown father that everyone thinks is Weather's father, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. because no one but Pucci knows about the switcheroo, after all, is also a black man who uh, uh, had a child with a, a, a white woman. Mm-hmm. It all works out, uh, uh, I yeah, guess. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so this is... The, the powder keg of racial animosity that the sweet summer child seminary in Poochie has lit the fuse of. Mm-hmm. So, so this guy is not just a thug for hire. He is in, indeed, in fact, a private investigator. That's why he has an office. Yep. And he discovers that Wes Bloomerine is, again, as far as anybody but Poochie and his mother's nose, the son of uh, a different black father and white mother, which makes him as uh, light-skinned and as passing as he may be to the greater world, Mm. a black man. Yes. And so he assembles a lynch mob to kill this black man dating a white woman. It is the clan. Like... (laughs) They are called a clan in dialogue. (laughs) Yeah. They are drawn in the manga in a difference as hooded clansmen, but here... Yep. No sheets, no masks, faces uh, illuminated by torchlight for the world to see. The sheriff is there and he introduces himself as such. Mm-hmm. And while they are, quote, rescuing Perla from the clutches of, of this guy, uh, they sexually harass her the whole time. They are not yep. nice men. No, no. No. Oh, it's, it's awful it's to watch. Up. They... Like, Perla does not come out unscathed, but they beat Weather savagely. Yep. And in the midst of this, the head of this this mob, the private investigator, uh, is like, hey, uh, you know who did this? That that uh, uh, Poochie kid 
uh, from the other side of town. He paid me not to tell you or anyone, but I'm just going to tell you. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, I set your mom's house on fire before we came over here. Yeah. And so Weather stands up screaming and he is hit in the back of the head with a shovel, knocked out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the narrator comes back and the narrator says a curious thing. He says, quote, perhaps all anyone did up to this point was love someone with all their heart. Not the racists. Love brought about the worst case scenario. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Who was the private investigator loving? Who? Yeah. The th 14 words as previously mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Beetle. That's right. Beetle. <laughs> the, lo the love of the beetle. And so, you know, we fade back in from a black frame. Uh, it's morning. It's kind of a misty day. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the clouds are parting and, uh, weather and West slash weather report has been hung from a tree. Yes. Yes. He's hanging from a noose from a tree over a cliff face down, down into waters below. And Perla is looking on at him in a Scarlet O'Hara pose reference. Yeah. You know, in the Gone with the Wind where she's like, uh, sitting on the dirt, leaned on one arm and like reaching out. Mm -hmm. It's it's that. fucking traced like okay all right yeah yeah slavery racism deep south got it got it got it yep 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 so perla cuts him down from the tree and takes his lifeless hand and she vows that her heart will never feel anything again and so in her grief she throws herself from the cliff killing herself unaware mm. unaware that wes was still just barely alive we gotta get some romeo and juliet god. in the mix here too yep it's every tragedy is happening in this episode like god damn. yes yes this is ultra ultra tragedy like and this is our mid-episode point there is no stand card because nope. there are no stands in the action i guess the world did help dio appear to teleport yes. it would have been wild if the world showed up here yep <laughs> so so Seminarian Poochie is is by the banks of the river watching watching his sister be be fished up by, you know, the, the local authorities. Mm -hmm. And as he screams to the heavens that he would do anything, anything to bring her back, he hears the voice of Dio from those years ago. Mm -hmm. it's, it's specifically like Dio saying, hey, do you believe in gravity between individuals? And like when Poochie hears this again, he like looks behind him looks up towards the sky and he's like, oh shit, that was him. It was the voice of that weird dude. And he's just like, I've forgotten, you know, exactly when that happened and stuff. But, and, you know, how could I have forgotten about him until now? It's like, I know he gave me something, but but what was it? I think it was an arrowhead. And this is when he sees Perla's skull split open and her memory disc juts out. And at the same time, the arrowhead, which he still had on him, like in his shirt pocket, stabs him clean through the neck. It goes through his sternum and up out the back of the neck because yep. he's been like wearing it uh, uh, close to his heart ever since meeting Dio that day. Mm -hmm. Besties. Uh, so, <laughs> so yes, in, in his grief, he is gifted with the power to preserve memories answering his prayer to save his lost sister he at least downloaded and archived her i guess mm -hmm. and so the camera cuts above above the cliff to the the prone body of weather report who is now bleeding from the same neck wound bomb 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 <sighs> yeah and then there's a burglar wipe 
Burglar wipe. <laughs> uh, the all-black silhouette of a man running across the frame wipes us into the private investigator's office. And who is there but Weather Report himself, who makes the head racist's arm explode into snails. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, you're a private investigator. You find the answers to questions. How about questions like, where are all these snails coming from? It only seems to happen around me. Weird. What's <laughs> what's going on here, bud? And so the PI pulls his, his gun out on Weather Report, but his arm is so exploded into snails he can't hold it straight, and he blows his own brains out. Yep, and then more snails get splattered against the wall. And Weather Report asks his lifeless body, what's up with all these snails? <laughs> what is up with this? He picks up the revolver from this dead guy and just puts it right up against his temple and just keeps rapid fire pulling the trigger. Mm-hmm, and just mm-hmm. click, click, but click. it won't fire because every chamber is wet, preventing ignition, preventing combustion, preventing the bullets from firing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tried. He tried to jump off the cliff, same as Perla did, but a gust of wind broke his fall and saved him. He tried to just drown himself in the river, but the waves kept pushing him out to safety. Mm-hmm. He, he is just tormented by the fact that he can't die. He can't be with, with Perla. And so he, he just screams up into the heavens. And he is so tormented by this and so fucked up by what's happened that he just beco- he becomes numb. And he just starts hating everything and everyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so random just people in the town all over are getting fucking turned into snails because weather is just walking around with no purpose, just furious at everything. And so Poochie is noticing this and figures out the cause. Like he got he got the the uh power to again preserve uh, uh his sister and that is mm-hmm. where uh White Snake came from. And so he looks at this snail thing and says, "Ah, this must be what weather des- desired unconsciously. It's the the power to just rain violence and pain indiscriminately on the world around him Mm -hmm. because he was in a really bad place yeah yeah which is an interesting thought so like obviously dio would wish for dominion over you know the entire world and at the moment where he was punctured with the arrow to give him that Mm -hmm. old man joseph was wishing for some new way to spy on bathing women (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It follows. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anytime someone's been punctured with the arrow and we've seen it happen, the, the stand that they got was kind of based on what they wanted. So I, I wonder about Koichi, though. Well, I guess Koichi was he just... just wants someone to listen to him. <laughs> yeah, he was just a little baby man who wanted to be a cool big boy, and so he got the egg stand that, that evolves over time. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jorno desperately wanted to beat Diavolo, and so he got the stand that does exactly what it needs to do, do the opposite of Diavolo. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and while Dio was poking himself, uh, Jotaro was just like, man, there's got to be a better way to explode men's balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Pucci decides he needs to take care of Weather Report. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And then after he does that, his sister is dead. Everything's so fucked up. He's going to take Dio up on his offer. He's going to find Dio. I'm going to find out what the fuck he was talking about and why he thought it was so important. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, the, he just finds Weatherport and they walk toward each other, like, duel at high noon uh, in the middle of this snail-infested street. And uh, uh, they pull out their stands and leap at one another, passing by, like, a your classic, like, cliche samurai duel. Yes. <laughs> but it's very cool. It's very cool. While Weather is trying to use Weather Report to just kill Poochie, Poochie has a different plan up his sleeve, of course. He's just trying to to donk him on the head and lobotomize him, yep. which, as we know, works. And he uses his standing in the community to throw him in prison for... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think snailifying people is against the law. Maybe it should be, but Maybe. I don't think they wrote one for it. <laughs> no, it should be a law, but yeah. I'm very confused what charges he was brought up on. I but know. again... People in the prison love Poochie. People in hospitals love Poochie. I'm sure people in the the like prosecutor's office just naturally love Poochie. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, after Weather is thrown into into prison, into jail, uh, we come back from that flashback, and Weather is just like, and that's why I really want to fuck Poochie up. And Anasui is getting really freaked out. <laughs> yes! That's a lot of shit to dump on somebody. Like, holy fuck. And Weather Report tells Anasui, hey, I need you by my side, specifically so that you can kill me. Mm-hmm, Once mm-hmm. I kill Poochie, I got nothing left. Like, I can't kill myself. And your stand can just reach inside my brain and, I don't know, turn it into a frog, whatever the fuck you want to do. Just kill me. The the whole babysitter situation has totally flipped around now that, that Weather knows himself and knows his past. Mm-hmm. And this is also the first clear statement I think we get that... Weather's old memories are sitting side by side with the new ones he's made inside yep. Green Dolphin. Like, yep. it didn't overwrite the, the last, like, even more years, actually. He's lived more inside than outside. Yep. Yeah, he, he knows who's who. He just didn't care to talk about it until mm-hmm. this point. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Jolene and her merry band are indeed in that Ferrari, and they peel out to find a weather report. And then we get the end credits, which I'm honestly surprised about. We didn't get the opening. Mm-mm. This one was so stuffed that I was really sure we would just get like the actual names rolling over action. Get one of those again. But nope. Yeah. Nope. Nope. So heavy weather three episode 32. Start off a little recap of all that fucked up shit that happened previous episode. Yes, the, the big revelations of uh, uh, the previous part into the OP. And now now even the butterflies are snails. Snails with yes. monarch butterfly wings are flying around the landscaping. Yep. And Versus is driving. He's the chauffeur here, uh, driving rather poorly because he's being eaten by beetles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, God, the bugs are gross. I hate those bugs. And so Jolene, who's in the in the front, in the passenger seat, saying like, okay, we're getting closer. I, I can sense weather report, and I'm guessing Poochie as well nearby. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Anasui is still going like, hey, what the fuck? You want me to kill you? What the fuck does this shit? Uh, <laughs> and so Weather just like thinks back to the last snail storm, the original s- snail storm, and, and tells Anasui, this freak show represents the dark side of my heart. And so Anasui says, okay, then stop it. <laughs> and Weather Report says, but I don't wanna. <laughs> the dark side of my heart is a lot of it right now. <laughs> yeah. It's it's got a majority vote. This this owns to me like I recognize is bad, which is why I want you to kill me later. But in the moment, 
this fucking rips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a line where he just says, I feel kind of bad for the snail people, but I love it also. <laughs> like, it's, oh, just fucking the world up like this. Fucking rad. But anyway, I gotta kill Poochie. I gotta kill Poochie for so many reasons. Yep. So he uses his, his star sense to find him. He's within 20 meters. And Diver Down has been, like, doing a subterranean sweeps, and he's not there. So he's got to be somewhere around, like, this block. Mm-hmm. And so Weather Report just, like, feels for him in air with, with like, jets of wind doing sort of breeze sonar, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And he can't find him. And so they think, hey, there's a mid-sized sedan over there. Maybe he's lying down in the back seat. Maybe he's doing a, a watchdogs thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the two of them split up. One one going around the left, one going around the right. They're going to do a pincher maneuver on, on this car. This fucking Volkswagen Jetta-ass car. And suddenly, Weather Report's leg gets cut off. Oh, no. Oh, no. Ah, oh, shit. Yep. Because Poochie wasn't inside the car. Poochie buried himself inside a pile of snails. Ah, oh, fuck. And he's not getting snailified. No, because he's the only one in the world who knows how the snails really work. Mm-hmm. He's had, like, 24 years to think about it. Yep. So Anasui steps forward, and Poochie just, like, flicks the the mirror of the car just a little bit to shine the rays of the devil's rainbow right into Anasui's face and he collapses because he now has snail feet. <laughs> so, okay, we're going to learn how exactly the devil's rainbow works. Pucci loves the devil's rainbow, by the way. He, he likes that the world is snails. Yeah. Because the world is now full of people who don't know what makes them snails. And he is is king of the world with this secret knowledge. He can just go where he's got to go. And no, one's, no one could possibly stop him right now mm-hmm. because they're snails. Pucci is talking about like, actually, it owns that you're turning people into snails because it turns out you, Weather Report, will be the one lifting me up to heaven. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He even cut off his leg so that he will die, but like eventually, yeah. with enough of a head start with Snail World uh, uh, helping him out before <laughs> before Weather Report dies and, and everybody unsnails. Mm-hmm. And this is when Poochie is very shocked to see that uh, Weather Report has leapt into the air with a renewed leg and is about to punch him real fucking hard because Anasui has used Diver Down to replace Weather's missing leg with his Stan's leg. And so, yeah, he gives a flying, leaping ice punch. He punches an icicle through Whitesnake's block that then, like, pierces his face. Ah. Yes. As we are reminded several times in this fight, Weather Report the Stand is a much stronger puncher than Whitesnake. Mm -hmm. So all Weather Report the person has to do is close the gap. So Poochie gets, like, slammed into the side of this car that was nearby. His face is all bloodied. But before Weather Report can come in for another blow, Poochie just kind of, like, moves his hand a little bit and a devil's rainbow shoots out from it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's got a little hand mirror. And now Anasui has snail hands, ah. which breaks his concentration, which d- dissipates Diver down. So Weather Report falls down because he only has one leg again. <laughs> yep. And this is when... We learn the the actual mechanics of the the devil's rainbow here, Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is subliminal messaging. 
subliminal messaging. You heard about subliminal messaging, and he gives a long uh, a description of it that I think is also cut from Fight Club the movie. Yes, it is. But the rainbow contains a subliminal atmospheric message, and the message that it sends is, hey, turn into a snail. Yes. And so subconsciously, people are just receiving this message over and over of, hey, you should be a snail. And so they do. <laughs> but like when this part's being being explained, Poochie is just like, is it because the images are of a snail or is there some type of, you know, image or response to the human body that stimulates a primitive instinct to want to really be a snail? Who knows? <laughs> but that's what it does. You just know if it was crabs instead of snails, the whole like Carson adjacent. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Car- Carson is a Carson. <laughs> Carsonization <laughs> meme from like, what was that four months ago? Uh-huh. Huge, huge. Yep. The the desire to turn into a crab. Yes. Could have, could have really springboarded here. Uh, but no, it's snails. Mm-hmm. And so, and so I felt a little disappointed in myself that I did not predict this two episodes ago when it was a physical reaction to touching a rainbow that is built by erasing the ozone layer but Mm -hmm. but now that we know the truth of uh uh what the devil's rainbow does let's go play the tape Mm -hmm. i want you to guess what do you think heavy weather the devil's rainbow does (laughs) what's the new power illusions mm. i mean i'm just go- going off of a light refraction some something sure. that looking at a light will do to you right yeah yeah but but i feel like just tricking people we're beyond that so like you have to look at the light and something actually happened right right <laughs> okay i was exactly right yes I left out a lot of the details, but when I you was said exactly that, right. When you said that, I was like, wow, he made a really good guess. <laughs> uh, and so how does Poochie know all this? What clue really filled him in? You see, you see back in the original Snail Storm, Snail Storm 1988 is what the Weather Channel called it. Yep. There was a blind woman completely unaffected. The rainbows touched her. The snails touched her. She was just trundling on her way and wondering... Why is everyone screaming? (laughs) (laughs) Where are all these weird, sticky, gross, slimy noises? I don't know. So as soon, as soon as uh, he saw what was coming, right, when the the disc got hooked up into Weather Report's skull, he pulled out two itty-bitty tiny discs from himself, like the size of quarters or something, and one is the sight in his left eye. One is the sight in his right. He took out his... He <laughs> removed the drivers for his eyeballs. Yeah, so he is he is just blind right now. But he's still got enough... You know, he's got all of his other senses that he can still fight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he slices Weather Report's other leg off at the knee. Yes. And so Diver Down gets called out to counterattack. But then Whitesnake just punches Anasui Square in the jaw. Yep. And now, now Poochie really lays it out. He thinks everyone is being really unfair, really unkind. Look, why do you want to be angry about a few murders here and there when I'm trying to lead all of humanity into heaven? Lay off, guys. Come, Come on. on. Come on. He's the good guy. Heaven yeah. is, is good. 
That's why they call it heaven. Yeah, man. Don't you want to go there? Fuck. So so he starts, of course, quoting Latin. Uh, Domine quo vadis, which is Latin for Lord, where are you going? This is a reference, of course, to Renaissance art, a painting mm-hmm. by that title. It, it is a painting of uh, St. Peter, like, watching Jesus return, like he's carrying his cross. And so the story goes, he answers Peter, oh, yeah, I'm going to get crucified. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go, like, bear the sins of the world and deliver humanity into heaven. You see the parallel here. Yep. Which is when, which <laughs> is when, a spike of blood erupts through Pucci's foot. Ow. <laughs> see, what Weather Report has been doing while downed and legless is uh, uh, super freezing the giant puddles of his own blood mm-hmm. into razor-sharp spears. Yeah. That are are now piercing through blind Poochie's foot, and he can't avoid them. Uh, he has no way of knowing where they are, so he might just step on more in this fucking minefield of blood spears he finds himself in. Yeah, he he one goes through his foot, and he goes, "Oh fuck!" And so he stumbles one way, and oh shit, st- steps through another blood spear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He doesn't want to sideshow Bob this. That's not dignified. Yeah, yeah. So that brings us to the mid-episode title card. It's Whitesnake's turn. He's back, naturally. And now, two limbless murderers are crawling menacingly toward a, bro- <laughs> a blind priest. So yeah, it's it's just, okay, if Weather Report can crawl towards Poochie and get close enough, Poochie's done for. He He's boned. Or Diver Down, for that matter. Like, yeah. We're, it's for character and plot reasons, Weather Report's fight, but, like, if Diver Down gets inside your body, the only thing left to do is wonder how you're dead. <laughs> yeah, he can do whatever he wants. Make your ribs explode, turn you into a pretzel. He could turn you into a bone slinky. He kind of already <laughs> did, but just with a guy's legs. He could make your whole body a slinky. But he doesn't get the chance. He doesn't get the chance, perhaps because uh, uh, Poochie is thinking about that very same thing, because he doesn't attack Weather, who's attacking him. No, he jabs White Snake's fingers through the skull of Anasui mm-hmm. to, I guess the idea here is he's doing live playback of his most recent memories. Mm-hmm. Which is to say, the current situation he finds himself in, and is puppeting Anasui to give him guidance to step through the spike field. Yeah, and yeah, Anasui is just you know giving him like, okay, this many steps this way, and then go to your right, and then that many steps, and so he's very slowly navigating this this minefield uh, as weather just watches as Poochie gets further and further away from him, and. Poochie is like clear of the minefield, but then mm-hmm. Anasu is just like, you know, very monotonous, just like saying all of this. Uh, and he says, Oh, yeah, there's one more spike. I forgot to tell you. Oops, it's too late. And then suddenly a, a blood spear pierces uh, Poochie's neck. And this, I think, illustrates what I hope is poochie's great weakness his downfall that he's living in the past right yeah yeah his his ability is to control memories he's always you know a little bit behind uh he's constantly flashing back to when he was a teenager in the 80s yeah much like uh television producers these days (laughs) but uh uh and so the thing is 
this spike didn't exist when Anasui got brain fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he was unable to have a memory playback uh, uh, warn him about it. This is a new spike. Uh, uh, he, he is bested by his inability to, to look forward to the future instead. And this spike, it grows out of his shoulder and straight into his own neck. Ah, ah. There's blood all over him. He didn't know about. And so as Poochie is getting stabbed through the neck with a blood spear, mm-hmm. he just goes, fuck, and just like karate chops at the ground chops a bunch of blood spears and launches like three of them straight at weather report. And he thinks, aha, weather report is going to have to change the wind pressure and the direction of it so that he can deflect all these blood spears rocketing towards him. And therefore the, the icicle currently stabbing me will have to stop growing in this direction. I, I love that this exchange starts with Anasui like, ha, you fool, weather's so good at fighting, he'll dodge that easily. Yeah. <laughs> because Anasui is Weather Report's biggest fan in this whole thing. He's hyping him up through this fight constantly. <laughs> yep, yep. And then Poochie thinks to himself, yes, I know that. I hope he does. I want him to. And you know what? Weather Report doesn't dodge. He takes blood spears to the chest so he can keep holding Poochie inside the grip of his wind gusts. Yeah, and it's like the the yeah the blood spears that impacted him have like mm-hmm. stretched out, and yes. and they are they they're, are congealing. They're congealing and are now being used as gummy ropes to tie <laughs> up Poochie. Yeah, and so blood is so useful. Blood is a great weapon in JoJo, man. <laughs> Part five never goes away. Part four never goes away. Yep. Blood is the most useful material in the world. <laughs> And so, yeah, as they are now like congealed gummy blood ropes connecting <laughs> the two of them, Weather Report just yanks on them really hard to pull Poochie towards him. And he has flashbacks of his, his like brief romance with Perla during the whole thing. Yep. Two giant punches from Weather Report uh, just slam into Poochie's chest. There's a big uh, eruption of, of clouds from this punch. And as they dissipate, Weather Report has Poochie on the ground in, like, a chokehold, like a wrestling chokehold. Yes. And White Snake dissipates. He's he's getting choked out so hard, he can't focus. He can't materialize his stand. And now we see something that I think really il- illustrates Poochie's character, uh, uh, at least as it is now, mm-hmm. that he is outwardly begging and trying to explain. I it. You had to understand. I didn't mean it to go down like this. I was just trying to to protect blah blah blah, you, you, and and all of this like trying to you know pull at the the humanity left in Weather Report as he mm-hmm. seeks his vengeance. But on the inside, on the inside, he's just counting primes. He's just yep. stealing himself to murder his brother. Yep. And like, oh, it's good. It's really good. And there's a bit here where we, we see Anasui's reaction. And he just he's looking straight at Poochie and he just thinks, holy shit, Poochie's genuinely afraid right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But is he? Is he? Mm-hmm. He has nothing to be afraid of because as the killing blow comes down, the punch that should separate Poochie's head from his shoulders once and for all. Yep. Versus drives his Porsche into the car they're fighting by and there's a big like crash and mess and everyone goes flying. Yep. He's saved once again 
by fate. Fate decrees the gates to heaven will open. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the, everyone's crashed. Hermes and Jolene get out, and they're just shouting for weather. Hey, I can sense weather around here. Where the fuck are you? I know he's super close. And the dust starts to settle, and they see... The image of a, a tall, slim, muscular black man in the dust, and they wonder, is that our friend? And the dust settles more, and it's not. It's the other one. It's their enemy. Ah! Oh no! And then all of a sudden, they notice, hey, I'm not be, I'm not a snail anymore. The snail parts are going away a little bit. Which is when Jolene does another incredible Jolene move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's. Jolene's traversal tech unmatched, I gotta say. <laughs> yeah. So so the door, the driver door to one of these cars is open and she kneels next to it and she wraps her string around the rear wheel. This is a rear wheel drive car. Oh, this, this is, is important. Dope. So she leans in and with her hand slams down the accelerator so that the wheel will pull her string and therefore launch her through the yes. air. Yes. Flying at Poochie's face. It's so dope. It's so, so good. But while she is in midair, while she is winding up for her own killing blow, that is when White Snake's hand punctures through Weather's chest. Mm -hmm. The perfect killing blow, as seen many, many times. Yep. He learned it from his mentor, I suppose. And so she punches him. She just she whips his ass. She does not let up, but but that's not him. As Diver Down explains with a flipper in this person's head, because Poochie's unlocked a new ability. Mm -hmm. Poochie can now create after images of himself, and so he did that. And he tore the face off of one of his afterimages <laughs> of himself to disguise Versus. So she has finally killed the third of Dio's sons. Yeah. But she was not trying to this time. She was trying to kill Poochie. Yeah. Versus is hella dead. And there are multiple other afterimages of Poochie with his hand through Weather's chest. There's just a series. They're, they go on and on. Who knows how long? We only see a certain number, but there's no there's no confirmation that this doesn't that this line doesn't go all the way to Cape Canaveral for all we know, right? Yeah. And so they speak in chorus. Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> while holding images of Weather Report's corpse. And yeah. At this point, he just says, "No one can stop me now." Uh, he does his whole, do you believe in gravity thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, a, a line that started as like a mystical idea and is now a taunt, is now a sign that like uh, uh, Poochie is not Dio's little buddy. Poochie is Dio's successor. Poochie is like, uh, uh, has grown beyond Dio uh, mm -hmm. while serving him. It's, oh, oh it's good. It is this good. It's good shit. Yeah. And like while he's doing this monologue, one by one, these afterimages dissipate until he's just gone. I would like to see all of Poochie's afterimages sing in a round. <laughs> yeah. But Jolene, Jolene is desperate, desperate to find where Weather Report has gone. She's asking everybody if they've seen him uh, uh, as the dust settles, you know, farther and farther as, as everyone reaches out to each other. And Ermis is like, buddy, buddy. Think for a second. Mm -hmm. If you can't feel where he's at, what does that mean? Yeah. We're not oh. snails. We're not snails anymore. And then she also just says, like, hey, the wind has stopped. 
Oh, it's it's sad. <laughs> it's sad. And that's and Emporio Emporio finds his body lying in the sidewalk up against one of these buildings. Mm-hmm. Oh, Emporio Emporio is his little man. They yeah. were best friends. Mm. They they hung out in the music room together because they didn't want to go outside and you know lunchtime. It, there's yeah, it's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Anasui starts speaking here where he's talking. Anasui says the wildest ass shit to start this monologue. He says, God, quote, yeah. plenty of people have called me a murderer. At least that's what the newspaper said about me. Yes, because you murdered you those people. You murdered you somebody. That. Yeah. You admit it. You did that. He admit it. Oh, my God. <laughs> but the point is, the point is. The, he, he talks about how just an awful, rotten person he is and how he would not sacrifice himself for anybody except except the people that brought him back to life. Mm-hmm. And from his time with Weather Report, even this new, restored, full lifetime of memories Weather Report, he would be the same way. Yeah. Uh, uh. Oh, and there was a, a, a thing earlier in this episode... Uh, we forgot to mention like near the start where Anasui decides, okay, I'm still going to help you out weather report. And, you know, maybe, maybe honor this thing of killing you too. this request. He basically justifies his actions here. Yes. Yes. Okay. You, you know what? You saved my life like just a few hours ago. And you know what? I still owe FF one too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I, I fucking owe her one. She saved my life too, and I haven't paid her back. So okay. it happened. It happened. He came around on. Yeah, them. yeah. He did it. Yeah. I mean, what a fucking price to pay to just be nice to somebody. But <laughs> yeah, he's getting there. Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, and so, and so, it, there's something in the lifeless grip. Of weather report, something he is clutching. It is a disc. It is a disc of his stand weather report because mm-hmm. in a mirror, in a mirror of their last duel between the estranged separated at birth twins, mm-hmm. weather report wasn't going in for the kill. He was going in to use white snake on himself. Yes. So he could pass on the stand weather report to his friends to protect them and support them mm-hmm. in the rest of their mission. Everybody is crying their manly noble tears. Yep, yep. As a gust, as a gust of wind lifts heavenward. Ah! Ah! Fuck. They killed weather report. <laughs> they killed weather report. Fuck. This, it's like a donut or it's like a cd (laughs) (laughs) Uh this is wonderful but there's a hole in the middle (laughs) Uh uh-huh uh-huh and that hole is you can't talk about racism in america without really understanding racism in america you can't yeah you can't it gets fucked up and like i think it is smart and i think it is correct that when uh, a, a Rocky wants to tell a story about America, about like the great dark evil at the heart of America. It is white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And he's making that clear with allusions to the Klan, actually drawing the Klan yep. uh, uh, in publication. Yeah, but Pucci would have lived his life experiencing racism. 
Yeah. Fuji would still yeah. be living his life to present day, experiencing racism. Mm-hmm. Something that I appreciate about the change from it not lo- no longer being literally hooded clansmen mm-hmm. is that that is, I mean, in some ways, a cartoonish image of what racism is and how it operates. Yep. It's, I mean, based in historical fact, obviously, I'm not saying the clan didn't exist <laughs> and didn't <laughs> yeah, yeah. do lynch mobs, but I'm saying that that says one thing to a uh, uh, non-American audience to really get the point across. And as an American, I think it is more valuable for them to have faces to introduce themselves yeah, to like, their victims hey, and strips. be so ennobled and so empowered. Yeah, straight up say- admitting and saying like, hey, I'm the sheriff. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and yeah, have have just the uh, uh, untempered, like raw pain because like okay he's lived 20 plus years since then but he hasn't done anything with it he has been reintroduced to that fucking day Mm -hmm. (laughs) using brain magic wanting to who who wouldn't who wouldn't you know at least have a part of them and in this case like directly described as a subconscious part of them want to just hurt everyone Everyone yeah. that is in a world that allows this to exist, that that like benefits from like, why wouldn't you, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a really rough topic. But at the same time to have a guy just like, hey, I found out your dad is black. I hate you now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so, what is that? What is yeah. that? What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's a lot. There is a part of me where it's like, okay, the show introduces Weather Report, the story introduces Weather Report fit early on enough, and they immediately introduce him as like, okay, he doesn't have memories, and we've got mm-hmm. a guy who removes memories. Clearly, there's a big-ass reason why he does that, and it's just like, it can be hard to write that check and actually cash it uh, as to like, okay, why would these memories be removed? And what's going to be the big fucking reveal? It's like, oh, fuck, you know? And this is certainly, uh, (laughs) there could be a lot of underwhelming (laughs) reasons behind that. Or it's just like, oh, well, that's not, I don't know. Oh, there's, there's a lot of whelming happening. (laughs) There's a lot of whelming happening. Uh, so there's a part of me that like likes this, but at the same time, holy fuck, like (laughs) it's, it's. It's a lot. It's a hard thing to write about and handle correctly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I think. I think the flashback episode is great. Ser- does great service to Poochie, uh, as yeah. as uh, as a character, as you know his motivations, and like I like Poochie a lot more now mm-hmm. than. <laughs> it's no secret that I've liked Poochie. But He's I really yeah. like Poochie. Like Poochie is so interesting to me now, yeah. and that uh, uh, the the way that he is developing even more in the present, and how that mirrors uh, himself in the past, and how of course it all comes from the best of intentions. Just like mm-hmm. <laughs> his his personal revulsion at the incest taboo put all of the and that's another thing we haven't really talked about. <laughs> oh God, but, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> put, put all of this in motion. Yeah. Like. Oh man, 
I really don't want my sister to do an incest unknowingly. Let's hire this. <laughs> oh, shit. A racist? No. Oh, no. Fuck. But even taking away Poochie's youth and just having that little bit of, why won't you guys back off? A yeah. few murders are worth heaven. Yeah, yeah. Shut up and go away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will go to confession and I will bring heaven. Mm-hmm. The, the what's left of the story, which isn't a ton. We got six episodes left. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like the show, the story continues to use that, the, the foundation it's built with this stuff in good and interesting ways, I think, with Poochie. I'm interested to see how you feel about all of it because I think there's some really good ideas in there and I think some of them have the execution but not the time to develop it correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how you'll feel about all of that stuff. I don't know. There, there are some ideas in the, the, these last parts of part six that are kind of divisive among people. Sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. But, you know, all this stuff with Poochie, I think I, I really appreciate, especially considering part five's villain was a lot less developed. Like there was still a core to that character that was entertaining and good. But Poochie yeah, just yeah. feels Poochie has more death than Diablo does. Diavolo is closer toward the the like parts one and three Dio where I don't want him yeah. to have depth. Sure, sure. You know, I like Diavolo a lot for being this mystic presence that is impossible. Mm. Even his flashback, even his origin is impossible eight yeah. different ways. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's fun. But like what I really appreciate about Pucci is that he is a striver. He is a guy that doesn't have an overpowering stand. He has an interesting stand mm-hmm. and he has a lot of prep laying his plans. Sometimes he's freewheeling it and he's good at it. You know, yeah. not like Kira who thought he was good at it. <laughs> yeah. And he's a guy just trying to do his thing and people keep messing with it. He's He's more of a Jojo than any of the other villains. He's, he's, yeah in certain lights from certain angles he's an underdog here who's just trying to do good yeah and i find poochie really really fun for that yeah and hey the got the villain that's doing this the most right now he's the one with the jojo stars so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think it was just last episode last podcast you point out that like now that he's got the jojo star yeah he he things are working out for him better <laughs> but just part two alone, mm-hmm. just Heavy Weather 2 alone, I think is enough to carry an entire episode yeah. of discussion. Yep. So, you know, I think I'm just going to put that in a little drawer and let that marinate until our big end of Stone Ocean, because I'm sure that's going to be a whole lot of it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm also sure that there are things ahead that are going to be just as big uh, uh, in that conversation when it comes. So Uh, uh, let's talk about other things that have been happening recently. Yeah. What what has been happening recently? Uh, One thing I want to plug is that uh, I have a second new game on my itch page. (laughs) This was made as part of the Gex Week Jam, which uh, was, which just ended recently. Unfortunately, uh, I learned about it too late considering how uh we record these a, a bit ahead of time to really talk about it but friend of the show izzy kestrel 
host of the Oral Gex podcast, does an annual, uh, does a now second annual Gex Week celebration mm. starting February 14th and running through the 20th. Uh, and part of that was a game jam, and I submitted a game that I'm sticking with the uh, <laughs> uh, in-progress title because I couldn't think of one I liked better. Gexby's Quarrel. Yes. It is about it is about a fight between the uh, everyone's favorite married uh, uh, platform couple, <laughs> uh, Gex and Bubsy, <laughs> and hopefully, hopefully they they make up and and you know relationships you fight sometimes. That's what it's about. But what it's really about, I think, is the mismatch between Gextra Life Stream Lore Gex, yeah, and Gex as he actually is in his games. <laughs> Uh-huh. And that that is the core of like the one rule, and I don't want to spoil the one rule. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so go check that out. It's called Gexby's Quarrel. That's G E X B Y apostrophe S. Uh, or you can just go to mynameisgrant.itch.io. Every word has a hyphen in between. My dash name dash is etc. Uh, but while you're there, you'll also, you'll also see a game with a good title, a game that only exists because of its title, uh, <laughs> uh Sting Operation, as described. Uh, it is a game where you play as a sexy doctor who is also an intelligent swarm of bees. Mm-hmm. And a game that I actually really like and had playtesting and uh, isn't pay what you want <laughs> because I think it's fucking worth money to play yeah. because it owns. Go play it, everybody. Come on. Last Shooting, my now several years old two-player game of mech duels. It's so, so good. Mm-hmm. All, all of my feelings about rival pilots and also story shape of long-running uh, mech stories are in it. <laughs> and I gotta say, every time I see it, it's got kick-ass art for that it's game. It's got kick-ass art. Psy is a dream. Psy is a wonder. Kick-ass art. That's a kick-ass mech. I love it. I'm now officially announcing the model number and name of the mech on the cover of Last Shooting. Mm, Okay. World exclusive. (gasps) Hot exclusive dropping. (laughs) That... From now on, in game lore, that that mech design is called the IW04 Skellion. Ooh, Skellion. Yes. That sounds cool. It is cool. That is cool. It doesn't just sound cool. It is. Hot exclusive. Drop. Uh, I hope Gex Week is fun. We're recording this before Gex Week starts, yeah. of course. But I, uh, is he actually reached out to us to do yes. some Gex Week stuff that I'm really looking forward to? Mm-hmm. Man, it's. I also found out about the little game jam too quickly because I have been messing around with learning, learning more of like Unreal Engine shit just for for the heck of it. Mm-hmm. And I had just don't drop a game, drop a demo. Oh yeah, I I had an idea which I also told Izzy and she liked it, uh, inspired by one of the games we played for A Gexter Life, which was uh, Bad Mojo, which is, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. based off of Franz Kafka's The Metamorphosis. So I just thought, what if it was a point-and-click puzzle adventure game called Franz Kafka's The Metamorphogex, where a failed comedian <laughs> wakes up one day as Gex? <laughs> <laughs> and that was my whole idea so maybe maybe i'll keep that in my pocket and maybe the next time there's a gex game jam maybe i'll try and (laughs) try and capitalize on that idea 
So I suppose that's all we have to talk about this week again. So next week, we are going to be back with the following three episodes as we approach the conclusion mm. as uh, uh, those launch towers at Cape Canaveral loom in the distance. <laughs> episodes 33 through 35, Gravity of the New Moon. Boy, there's so much gravity. Sea Moon 1 and Sea Moon 2. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm on a sea moon diet. I see moon and I eat it. Yum. Anything moon shaped. That's my mm-hmm. diet. Moon pies. Love it. Basically nothing but moon pies, really. <laughs> it's going good. It's not ice cream. No, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. But until then, see you later. To be continued. Mm-hmm.